guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you so much for coming out to our first Wednesday prayer nights. I wholeheartedly believe that the prayer night is the most important gathering that we have here as a church. Like as the prayer meeting goes, so the church goes. The prayer meeting really is a graceometer about what God is doing in the life of the church. I think that we can really track the growth of the church, and we owe a lot of that to what is happening right here at the prayer meeting. I tell the story all the time, but it's something that God has really just put in my heart. Kind of like whenever you meet somebody and you're introducing your spouse to them and you say, like, how did y'all meet? And I always say, well, me and Ashley, we met on MySpace. And then I go through the story about how we met and how we dated and how we fell in love and how we've grown in our relationship. If someone were to ask, what is what's special? What makes redemption redemption? Why is redemption the church that it is? I would have to point back to the first time that we gathered as a church in our prayer meetings. When we started the church, we were not a praying church. For those of you who have been around for longer than the last two years, then you would understand that, that we were not a praying church. We trusted more in Facebook marketing. We trusted more in our website or our logo, which is just an R, by the way. There's nothing special about it. But if you see it on a at a red light, you know that that's Redemption Church. And we trusted in pop signs and flags and banners. If we wanted people to notice us, we would just put another greeter in the parking lot. That was always our philosophy for church growth, to get people in the doors. And then one day as I was praying, because we were stalled out, we were stuck at about 80 people. And I was just like, God, what's going on? Like, we're doing all the things. I read the book. I've read the blogs. I've went to the leadership conferences. God, what are we missing? Sing, and that's when the Lord began to birth a message of prayer in my heart. Just said, Byron, you're not a praying church. If you want to see what I can do, how about you trust in me? You've done what you can, and this is how far it's gotten you. But what would happen if you partnered with me through prayer? And so we just started praying as a church. We got together before we ever moved in this building, and we had a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, people showed up. But the most important thing is at that prayer meeting, God showed up. And God met us in that moment. And from that moment on, the trajectory of our church changed. And this morning as I was running, I was just meditating on that memory that I have about when we became a praying church and about how foolish and how, uh, how I thought before as a pastor. And God spoke this to me, and, and it's just something that resonated so strongly. He said, the opposite of prayer is not prayerlessness, it's pride. See, we think that, well, we just don't pray. I have a trouble praying. Or, or I'm going to do this and make this decision, and then I'm going to go to God after I've made the decision and pray that he would bless it, but I don't pray beforehand. But the opposite of prayer is not prayerlessness. The opposite of prayer is actually pride. As a young pastor, I was a prideful man. I was prideful in the fact that I thought I could grow a church without God. I was prideful in the fact that I thought that I could lead a church without God, that I could be a pastor without God, that I trusted more in the wisdom of man or the wisdom of the world rather than depending upon the wisdom of the Spirit. The opposite of prayer is not prayerlessness. Some of you in your life, that's maybe where you find yourself at. 
to where you struggle with prayer or you don't consider prayer, you don't think about prayer, you make decisions when it comes to your family, you make decisions about when it comes to your children, you make decisions when it comes to your finances, you make decisions about your church, you make decisions about your education, you make decisions about where you're going to go eat at, but you don't bring it to the Lord before prayer. And I just have to wonder, like, why don't we pray? Is it because we think we're better than God? Is it because we think that we're smarter or wiser, we have more understanding than God? Is it because we don't believe that God's really going to help us? That maybe God will answer Chuck and Dee Dee's prayers, but he's not going to answer my prayer. Or maybe God's going to answer Terry and Ronnie's prayer, but he's not going to answer my prayer. Maybe he'll answer Haley's prayer, but he's not going to answer my prayer. And so then we would say, well, that's not pride, that's humility. No, that's false humility, which is really nothing more than just pride. The opposite of prayer, we got to understand this, is that it's pride, that thinking that we know better or we can do better or we want better for ourselves than what God has in store for us as well. And so what I want to do is I just want to spend the next few minutes just talking about the importance of prayer. We're going to start a new series for our prayer night, and what the series is going to be called is Let Us Pray. It's really the heart that I have for us as a church because I want for us to be a praying church because it's prayer that unlocks the power of God in the life of a church. I mean, just think about it. What would a church be like if it didn't have prayer? I love what Martin Luther says. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he says, a Christian without prayer is like us trying to live without breath. Another way that I would kind of think about it is this. A church without prayer is like a fish without water. It's dead. If the church doesn't pray, it dies. If the church doesn't trust God, then it's good for nothing. If the the church isn't a place where the presence of God inhabits and dwells and his spirit empowers the people, then that's not a church. If there is no intimacy with God, then the church is not a church. It's an institution. Without intimacy, the church is just an institution. And many people have problems with organized religion. And many people today have problems with the church, or many people have problems with what they perceive as the church to be. But I just don't know how a group of people who are desperate and hungry for a move of God and the presence of God, who are depending on the power of God in their lives, could ever lead into an organization that is not filled with the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, or self-control. How can a church that is praying on their knees not get up on their feet and hit the streets to share the love of Jesus with others? How can a church that's praying overlook the need of the lost, overlook the needs of orphans and widows in their community? How can a church that pray not do the things that Jesus tells us to do? A church that prays is a church that is alive. A church without prayer is a church that is dead. And so for us, what kind of church are we going to be? What kind of people are we going to be? What kind of disciple-making movement is redemption going to be? It's this thought that determines the type of church that we'll be in the next 50 years. And I believe it all starts with prayer, with a humble dependence upon the Lord. And so for the next couple of months, as we get together on first Wednesday prayer nights, here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna study the heart of God through prayer. 
And we find this in one of the most beautiful passages of all the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read one of the most beautiful, the most moving, most powerful prayers that we see in the New Testament. I love listening to our staff members pray. One of my favorite staff members to hear pray is, is J.C. Selman. She's our children's director, and when she prays, she just talks to God like, like Moses talks to God, like face-to-face like a friend. But one thing that's interesting is you can tell a lot about the heart of the person by listening to the prayers that they pray. And you can tell a lot about J.C. as you listen to her pray to God, that she has a real connection and relationship with God as a father. And you're going to see the same thing here with the Apostle Paul as he stops in the book of Ephesians and he just prays. And you're going to learn a lot about Paul through this prayer. But you're also going to learn about what the heart of the Father looks like as Paul is teaching us how to pray. And just listen to how beautiful this this prayer is, how moving this prayer is. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I love that. Filled with the fullness. That's God's dream for you, that you would be filled with the fullness of God. And then here we go. Verse 20. Now to him. Who's that? Jesus. To him who is able to do far more abundantly. How much more abundantly? Far more abundantly than what we can ask, what we can think according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. How incredible is that? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, than we can think, or that we can imagine. That's what our God does when we come to him and we spend time with him in prayer. And so I just want to talk to you about the importance of prayer. The, the sermon title for today is this. It's called the, the ABCs of, of prayer. My daughter, Ruth, she's two years old. Well, she's going to be two in November, but she has recently just started sounding out some of the letters. So Ashley wears this, this shirt, and it's got a whole bunch of letters all over it. And obviously, Ruthie can't read, but she does know from watching Coco Melon, A, B, C, right? And so she just sees the letters, and she recognizes those are letters, and she just says, A, B, C. She's singing the Coco Melon song. Now, she doesn't actually know how to read, but she is learning how to identify the letters. And for many of us, that's where we find ourselves when it comes to prayer, You might struggle with prayer. You know you're supposed to pray, but you don't really know how to pray. But I want to teach us today, just kind of like Ruthie is learning to sound out some of these letters, I want to just teach you some basics when it comes to prayer. I want to teach you some of the fundamentals about praying and just teach you how you can have this confidence when it comes to your prayers. And so I want to teach you the ABCs of prayer. And actually, before we dive into Ephesians 3, we got to go back to the verse just before this in Ephesians 3, verse 12. I wanted to read this, and I was like, oh man, 
then 3, 12 and 13 is really good. And then I was like, oh no, 3, 7 and 11 is really good. And then I got in chapter two for we saved by grace through faith. Like that's really good. And well, I was gonna go all the way back to Ephesians chapter one, I, Paul, an apostle, but that was just, I'd have to preach the whole book. So I'm just gonna do it with Ephesians 3, 13 and 3, 12. Listen to what it says here. In verse 3, 12, it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And then he says, I ask that you do not lose heart of what I'm suffering because it is for your glory. I want you to just look at those words that we have. We have access, we have boldness, and we have confidence when it comes time for our prayers. These are the ABCs about being a praying church. The, the first thing that I want you to see is this, is that when it comes to prayer, we have access Think about this. You are allowed to enter into the glory of God through prayer. That God welcomes you into his presence. In the Old Testament, you couldn't do that. In the Old Testament, they would tie a rope around a person as they go into the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And if there was any sin or they were not purified, they dropped dead in an instant. And then one of the deacons had to drag them out of that tent. Only the high priest could enter in one time of a year. But yet, because of the shed blood of Jesus in our place, we have, every single one of you in this room, you have what the Old Testament saints dreamed of. You have access with God. I love what the author of Hebrews says. He says that we do not enter into the presence of God by the sacrifice of blood and bulls or of goats. How many of you are grateful that we don't have to slaughter an animal every time you walk in the doors of the church? Peter would be mad. <laughs> but instead, God sent his son Jesus so that through him we might have access. That means you can go before God. You can present your requests. You can kneel down at his feet. You can climb up in his lap. You can talk to him. You can spend time with him. You can pour your heart out to him and he listens and he cares and he is always right there with you. You have access with the creator of the universe, the one who by him, to him, for him, all things are held together by the power of his word. He says, come to me and spend time with me. We have access with God through the blood of Jesus. And this is why sound doctrine is so important. Because we have to be able to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus does, and what difference that makes in our lives. But I want you to understand something also about this. Is that sound doctrine drives spiritual devotion. If you have sound doctrine but you don't pray, you don't have sound doctrine. I could sit here and I can go all day long and walk you through the systematic theologies and I can explain to you all of the big fancy words that I learned at college. I could go and talk about presuppositional apologetics in the intertestamental period between Malachi and the book of Matthew and you could quote all the verses and you could know all the right words, but if you don't know how to pray, you don't have doctrine. Because sound doctrine is what drives our spiritual devotion. We have access with God through Jesus, and that should lead us to become people who pray. The second thing I want you to see is this, is that when we pray, we have boldness. We have access, and then we have boldness. He says we can go to God, and we can present our requests, and we have boldness because of this, this access. Now, what does it mean for us to be bold? It means for us to, to, 
to be honest. It means for us to be able to step into something that is difficult or hard. It means that we can present large requests to God without shame. And we can go to him and we just say what's on our heart and what's on our mind. And we can tell God really what we want. Listen, I want to be a part of a church that prays bold prayers. I don't want to be a part of a church that prays safe prayers. I want to be a part of a church that dreams big and believes that our God can do big things. I believe that we still serve a God that moves mountains. I believe we still serve a God that parts seas. I believe we still serve a God that heals. I believe we still serve a God that provides. I believe we still serve a God that does miracles on behalf of his people. I still believe those things. And so I'm going to be bold enough to pray for those things. Listen, bold prayers honor God. Because whenever you, you pray bold prayers, God thinks, wow, they must really think that I can do this. And so watch me do these things on behalf of my people. Listen, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Pray for big things and watch God do incredible things in your life. Right now, I have a lot of bold prayers that I'm working on. I mean, I'm praying bold prayers. This week, we have 16 signups for our baptism Sunday. 16. And I'm grateful for 16, but I'm praying for 21. Because I believe that God wants to do far more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine. We have three families who are getting their children dedicated. I want five families because he could do far more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine. Right now, the prayer meeting, this meeting is full, but I'm believing that next month every seat will be filled because we serve a God that could do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. When I stood up here on Sunday morning and I told you, hey, we've been given a $22,000 matching fund from other churches, and I challenged our church to give. And I said, hey, this is what God's doing. We're buying this building. God's going before us. And I challenged the church to give. And over the last seven days, you guys have already given almost $9,000 towards that goal. But I know that God has far more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine. I know that some of y'all thought I was crazy when I said, hey, we got one week to raise $22,000. And you might have rolled your eyes or scoffed because you said, oh, that seems impossible. But outside of your giving, outside of the 22 matching funds that have been given, another church today just gave us $15,000 for this new building, which puts us now at $45,000 towards the $60,000 goal. And that only happened in one week. Why? Because we prayed bold prayers. I don't want to pray safe prayers. I want to pray prayers that shake heaven and move mountains. Pray bold prayers. What are you praying for? What is your prayer? What is your crazy prayer? For some of y'all, that crazy prayer is to start a business. Go pray that prayer. Some of you, that crazy prayer is to reconcile a marriage. Go pray that crazy prayer. Some of you, it's to go back to college and work on your master's degree. That's the prayer you need to be praying. Some of you, it's your prodigal sons or daughters who have run away from home and they've been gone for years and you want them to sit in the seat next to you. Pray that crazy prayer. I believe that God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor our God. 
He looks down at people who pray audaciously and he says, they have the nerve to believe that I can actually answer that. And so then God responds to bold prayers by honoring those prayers. We can pray with access. You can go straight into the presence of God and you can present your requests with boldness. And then lastly, the next thing we see is that we can also pray with confidence. Confidence that our God answers. Confidence that our God hears us. Confidence that our God knows our name. Just think about that for a minute. God knows your name. But not only does he know your name, he also knows your heart. And he knows what's on your heart. And if God knows what's on your heart, then you just need to go to him and be honest with that. And then as he listens and cares and understands, he begins to answer those prayers. And as believers, we not only have access, not only have boldness, but we also have confidence when it comes to our prayers. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. I wholeheartedly believe, Redemption, that God answers every single prayer that we pray. Every single prayer. You say, but I know somebody who prayed and it just didn't work out for them. No, God still answered. God has three answers like every parent. Yes, no, and later, right? When Esther comes up to me in the morning, she says, Daddy, can I have a popsicle? I, I say, what do I say? I say, later. But some of us, we're, we're so quick to say no for God. That just because it doesn't happen on our time, we think that's a no. When really sometimes God's just saying later. Or maybe God's just saying I have something better. Because he wants better for us than what we even know is available to us. That's why he says far more abundantly than you can ask, think, or even imagine. He has better for us. He wants good for us. He knows better than us. And so as his children, we go to him with access before the Father. We present our requests with boldness, and then we have confidence knowing that our God is good. And that he wants better for us than what we even know is good for us. And so I just want to encourage you tonight to, to pray. And, and some of you, you get so caught up on whether or not prayers get answered. And you talk yourself out of what God wants to do. You think, well, I'll go to God, but maybe I'm still going to have to do this on my own. And I'll, I'll offer up one of those little nice Christian platitudes, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, who eats the fastest, eats the most. Give us this day our daily bread. And I'll offer up these Christian platitudes just to placate prayer. But on the inside, I don't really believe that God would do that for me. And so we talk ourselves out of the miracle. We talk ourselves out of what God wants to do. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We have to have this confidence that God is good. And I just want to close with this encouraging word. And maybe this will open up new opportunities for you when it comes to your prayer life, help you take it to the whole next level. But here's just what I want to leave you with this thought is that it's our job to pray. It's God's job to answer.
We're responsible for the input, but God's responsible for the outcome. It's our job to pray. The Bible just says pray and to trust and to believe that God will answer. Your job is to pray. Let God worry. We pray and we let God concern himself about the rest. Your job is to pray. That's your, that's your job. It's God's job to answer. And it's his reputation that's on the line, not yours. And I can guarantee you, God will defend himself. When we don't pray, it's because of a pride that we have. Either a pride in that we know better or a pride in a false humility thinking we don't deserve it. And some of you right now are thinking, well, how is that pride if I don't deserve it? Well, it's because you think you can out God's grace. And that's pride again. And so I don't want to be a part of a church that refuses to pray. And what I really desire is I, I want to be a part of a church where every single person individually, at home, families, members, leadership, deacon, that we would be people so consumed with a heart of prayer that it would overflow every aspect of our lives and that we would be filled with the fullness of God and we will see him do far more abundantly in our church and in our lives, in our finances, in our children's lives, in our marriages, in our education, and in our vocations than we could ever ask, think, or imagine.